Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. This is a tough week for us. You know, it just is. It just is. You want to let our listeners know what happened? Yeah, so we received notification this week that Howie Pyro passed and we knew he was going through some stuff and he was struggling and he had a liver transplant and then COVID hit and we knew he was struggling and um, but we also knew that Howie is a fighter right it, um, and we had we had hope and uh, our support was definitely behind him and we were hoping he was going to pull through and I think he pulled through um, much longer than people were giving him credit for. But um, yeah, this week we found out that that he passed on to the next realm. And uh, we decided to switch up what we were planning to do. And instead of doing a new episode, we decided that we would repost our episode where we got to spend some time with Howie. I've got great memories of that day, Soraya. I, 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 it's not a day where I should be smiling, but when I think back on that time that we had with him and him walking around with his handheld camera and, um, and even stuff that uh, we didn't post on the episode where he was walking us through his house and showing so much of his goodies, I, that part just makes me smile. But that was many, many years ago when Howie and Jeff McDonald of uh, Red Cross came and they helped us learn more about Bill Bartell in uh, episode 99 that was uh, so quite a while ago Soraya but we thought it would be appropriate to reshare that episode and um, just as a reminder and a tribute to Howie. Oh yeah uh, and one of the things you're all going to remember uh, about this episode is what a great storyteller and what a wealth of information uh how he is and it was really a pleasure and an honor to have him on the podcast just sharing his stories and I remember when we hung up Jeff said Sriam we need to have him back to talk about different things yeah yeah more of himself and rather than all the stories he had about Bill right yeah um, a storied life and, you know, a man who did so much and is really, as you're all probably aware, really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. If you look through his social media and just all the tributes, it's all well-deserved. I'll just say that. A hundred percent. And a good, just a good guy. Um, and he fought valiantly. And Jeff and I really appreciate him and appreciate his spirit. And we just thought the best thing would be to share the episode with you all. Yeah, absolutely. As a tribute to Howie. And yeah, like I said, I only... I can only smile when I, when I think back and I look at this because it was such a great time and it was really an honor. So this is our tribute to Howie and um, may your spirit live on forever, Howie. 
100%. Here's episode 99. Howie Pyro, Jeff McDonald talking about Bill Bartell. Here we go. Hey, Soraya, how's it going? All right, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. My mind is still blown. We just got off of a conversation, got off a Zoom conversation with Howie Pyro and Jeff McDonald. I still can't believe that. So we wanted to find out more about Bill Bartell, Pat yeah. Fear, and um, it. these were some, some, I'd say close friends of Bill's that knew a little bit about him. Um, and as, as our listeners will hear, um, that's saying something about, about this enigma of a man. Oh my gosh. You know, Jeff and I are still kind of staring at each other going, all right, uh, there's a lot more to this. There's just a lot more. Yeah. But this conversation that you as listeners will be hearing, um, there's some amazing stories, some hilarious yes. stories, some very, at least one or two very unusual things that happened that my mind is still yes. blown. Like just how these things happened is just incredible. And uh, um, unfortunately, it looked like the first minute or two of the conversation um, didn't get recorded. Uh, uh, we had some technical issues. Yeah, yeah. We had some Zoom issues. Um, I think it's primarily my fault with a with a wrong invite. Whatever, we got it all sorted out. We got those guys on talk. But um, just so our listeners know a little bit about who we're talking to, um, coming up here, Howie Pyro, uh, founding member of the Blessed and Degeneration, some uh, early punk rock bands of the mid to late seventies. Um, Howie played with Danzig. The band yeah. Danzig on, on bass toured with them. Um, he was a personal friend of the Sex Pistols, Sid Vicious. Um, yeah. Spent a lot of time with them. He was living in New York, so he, he was in some of those seminal clubs, hanging around some of those seminal clubs with CBGBs, um, Max's Kansas City. He was a DJ for Intoxica Radio uh, on a Luxuria. Mm-hmm. Raya, you and I met because of Luxuria Radio, internet radio, so... There's that tie there. Um, Howie also does or did a YouTube little video uh, mini series, I guess you would call it, called Howie Pyro's Sick Sick World, um, where he shares some stuff in his room and his collection, some really, really cool things. And um, he's worked with Joey Ramone. He's worked with Genesis Peorage. And if you listen to the very end or watch to the very end, if you're watching the video, you'll even see a tattoo that the front man Genesis had a transition and he put this tattoo on Howie and Genesis was the front man for Psychic TV, uh, a band that put out an album called Dreams Less Sweet, one of my favorite all-time albums, definitely my top 100. And then also Jeff McDonald from Red Cross. And um, I had mentioned it on the uh, original intro that got cut off, but we had Ella Carrie Pearson on our episode 45 talking about Red Cross's album Beyond the Door that we mm-hmm. reviewed, which is an amazing album. Red Cross has a documentary that's coming out. There's a Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're calling it Born Innocent. 
the Red Cross story. And Jeff shared a little bit about that, that it's in the works. We're not sure when that will get released, but there is that Kickstarter campaign to get this documentary released. But anyways, these two guys were a lot of fun and shared some great stories. So I hope you all enjoy it. Um, I'm still blown away. I'm not sure about you, Soraya. I mean, Jeff and I are trying to land at this point, right? <laughs> we were just, it was a pretty surreal hour and a half talking with these two people. One that have like just a wealth of information about Bill Bartell, but two are like super engaging and funny. And um, I, I think their their observations are just really thoughtful, well-founded and, you know, come from a place of of true friendship you know with with bill yeah absolutely. so i mean <laughs> you know uh how he gave us i think the best piece of advice at the very beginning which you'll hear this is anytime you hear a band's uh title of a band's album take that title type it in google let's find out what it's really about <laughs> yes and uh yeah so I'm still thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of titles I got to put through the Google. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, you're going to enjoy this episode and hear a lot of stories. And um, we hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Yes, let's get started. Sounds good. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. Put them on my head and played Os Mutantes to me. which For the first time. Yeah, which I had never heard, and it completely blew my mind, and it was one of the most insane things ever. And then it went from there. How did you meet Bill, Jeff? Well, do you remember in those those pre-internet days, the telephone was the way that people would chat. And I guess he, Bill got our phone number, or my parents' phone number, from someone. You just start calling. We had and we um, had so many like punk rock and Kiss in common. So. We, but like, like how he said, it was just these insane phone bills. I mean, I lived in Hawthorne, California, and he was in Marina Valley, which is San Bernardino, Riverside area. And, you know, it's only an hour away, but my phone bills would be like 150 bucks a month. My parents would get go ballistic. <laughs> and, and it was just ridiculous. And, and um, but we talked on the phone all the time, and that's how we kind of, you know. And then Bill took us to... Um, but me and my friends to um, Kisses um, Creature, Creatures of the Night um, record release party at the Zotrope Studios. What? what? <laughs> yes. And it was like this, I guess Kiss was really scraping bottom at the time. And it was, they had set up their stage set for the um, Creatures of the Night tour. And um, they were doing a press conference, but they only had like, you know, 
all the press was fake because they didn't want anyone asking them any hard questions. It was very kind of Trumpian in that sense. <laughs> and Bill- Sounds uh, familiar. <laughs> yeah, but Bill was pretending to be a press officer asking them why records like Unmasked were, uh, have been out of print and, and just kind of blowing the lid off a lot of their mythology and they were getting shifty and really uncomfortable. And it was just, you know, it was weird. It was just, I'd never seen anyone be so confrontational to someone, to someone that they loved so much. But he was humiliating that, kids that in, in on stage. That MO right yeah, there. Totally humiliating <laughs> them on stage. And they got out of there very quickly. They, they stuck around for like 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> How can we go from there fast forwarding <laughs> even into the 90s when Bill jumped from the Melvin's bus to my band's bus on the KISS tour. <laughs> well, tell them. <laughs> well, I know, but everything in between, it's it's too much. Well, it should be like a Quentin Tarantino movie, like non-linear, like Pulp Fiction, just jump, run all over, back and forth, back and forth. We're here for right. it. We're here for it. <laughs> Bill, uh, Bill's, I Bill's Christmas card one year, which is still on my fridge, is um, the greatest photo of him pretending to be uh, Paul Stanley's uh, bodyguard. <laughs> and he's like pushing these these people with cameras to the side and, and, and letting Paul Stanley through. It's the great, greatest photo ever. And um, he used it as his Christmas card. But, you know, when Kiss put the makeup back on in 96 was when my band Degeneration was at our most popular. And we got mo uh, more Luckily or unluckily for us, we got kicked off the tour the first day of the tour, but um, then we got put back. So, because um, we had a, when we played in small clubs, we did that Alice Cooper trick of, um, but instead of with feathers, we would rip up like 500 newspapers that we would steal and to have our roadies had to do it all day long and put them in giant bags and, and Jesse would let them all fly everywhere and they would fill an entire club like CBGB so Jesse thought it would be funny to do it in a place like Madison Square Garden where it would just be like a you know as a joke but then everything went in their pyro and we're all through the, every part of the stage and we really fucked them up bad <laughs> so <laughs> um, but we were on we had more dates than anyone else so we were following the Melvin so of course, Bill is best friends with the Melvins, and he invited himself on their tour bus for the entire 10 days or whatever that they were playing with Kiss, and we happened to be following them. Um, so Bill was like, this is going to be genius. Like his, You could see gears just running through his head and his sweaty cowboy hat head, and he got, literally got off their bus and ran on our bus and couldn't wait to show his face to Gene and Paul at this next sound check. To torture where them. He, yeah, where he claimed, he went in and he claimed that um, Gene referred to Paul as her uh, to the <laughs> sound men <laughs> when they were doing sound check, which I always liked. <laughs> I can somehow- I'm not Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said I could I totally imagine that happening. Well, I remember um, Sean Lennon um, came to one of the shows that Bill was at, and Sean didn't know that Bill already had been around Kiss, and he um, tried to introduce 
um, Paul to um, Bill and Paul was like, Bill Bartell, that tired thing, something like that along those lines. That's <laughs> 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 <is> hilarious. <laughs> so funny. That was a uh, Cookie Mueller line from Female Trouble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So how how strong was Bill's love for Kiss? Was he totally fanatical? It was sadomasochistic, sadomasochistic, because he hated but them for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he hated them for years during the makeup list um, period. But he still would like talk all of his friends into going all the way to the San Bernardino Swing Auditorium to see all their like animalized concerts and um, what was asylum tours. So he but could he, yell stuff at them. Revenge. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> Bill's yeah, the he... only person who saw, there was a show uh, and, and, and uh, Paul Stanley had a heart attack. I think. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he got it, had to go to the hospital and Gene is so cheap. That they did the show anyway without Paul, and it was like a small um, promotional uh, sort of show at, in Las Vegas. And Bill's one of the only people like that anyone knows on earth that saw Kiss without Paul Stanley. <laughs> yeah, the three piece. But he, I remember him having he shot he had the video shot the video of that, and we were in line for Paul McCartney at Amoeba Records, and um, yeah, he was trying to figure out how he can sell it to the press. <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't. I didn't even know that that show happened without Paul. Yeah, Paul had like a like. I don't. Was it a heart attack or an extreme heart murmur situation? <laughs> Something happened in an emergency, and he was in the hospital. Wow. They didn't cancel. The power yeah, trio. They couldn't cancel because of the money. <laughs> power trio. <laughs> <laughs> Like Rush, without right. the R or the U or the S or the H. But there's one S. Oh, just one S, yeah. You know what that's known for. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> gonna be like the bill grundy show now <laughs> well you know it's weird i was that makes me think of um torturing paul stanley i personally never i would just be an observer a horrified observer in these situations but i remember we went to um bogarts which is a small club in in um in uh long beach california and we um oh. and paul stanley solo was playing and of course <laughs> bill was trying to get throw gum into his hair while he was performing and calling and kept calling him Pat Stanley, Pat Stanley. Oh my God. <laughs> I was horrified, I was but said nothing. 
<laughs> I was digging around yesterday for uh, these answering machine tapes, and I have, you know, cassette tapes, right? I have, they're under, every, at the very bottom of everything. And for you guys and, and anyone in the world who doesn't know, I probably have like 30,000 records and, and, and so much stuff. There was a little one of those cassette boxes and I opened it up and it, and it bills inside a picture of him on the top of the inside of the box. And it just says, ha, but it was said, it must've said chariot, but it, it just happens that it says ha from chariot underneath. And then I was like, oh my God. Beyond you know, he's showing his face. <laughs> yeah. Way beyond the door. And he, uh, and I found these cassettes that are insane of Bill um, um, trying out for public image. <laughs> what? In what period well, public image one was of this? It. Huh? Pill and Bill, it says. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. One of them is called, uh, uh, and he had a band called Kawenga that also made a movie. I think maybe before um, Love Dolls, which I have the only copy of. So that was like um, a Native American tale of the Morongo Valley uh, Native <laughs> tribe, right? Merino. <laughs> Merino. <laughs> Morongo is a different tribe. Uh, Mor uh, Morongo is the actual um, That's casino. the gambling yeah. place, yeah. Um, this tape says more annoying stuff from Bill in his handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, what does that say? Weirdness from Bill's youth, 77 to 80. <laughs> wow. Uh, tater Tots, Pink Floyd. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Breadcrumbs. Bill's. And then 77 to 79 from Bill's youth. So, Howie, you have all these tapes. Where did, how did you acquire these? Where did he gift these to you? He would just send you, me stuff endlessly. He's crazy. Yeah, like mixtapes with a few of his songs sprinkled in. Well, you know, we all made tapes. Yeah. That's what people did back then. When you make mixtapes for your friends. Just Telephone like, and, and, um, and mixtapes. Yeah. Everyone made mixtapes and they gave them as gifts and traded them and uh, had little secret. I mean, you could do anything on a cassette tape. You know what I mean? So they could get real, real funny uh, and personal. And go kind of viral too. Yeah, there's tapes out there that like everyone has a copy of on Earth. That's our age. <laughs> that is very true. And um, you know, so the stuff goes so deep and so far. I mean, Bill's sister, who uh, um, <laughs> whom none of us had met until after Bill passed away. We had never met any of his sisters. And she was nice for about one day and then became a complete creep. Whoa. Um, 
I don't know this tale. Um, you know, I wanted to help sort his stuff out so it wouldn't go in the garbage because everything he owned was worth that looks like garbage could be a Nirvana set list or, or whatever that could be worth a zillion dollars. So I tried to explain this to them. And then one of them has a kid whose name is Bart. <laughs> the name is Bart. Uh, well, yeah, even... different last name. Okay, I, I won't. I won't. It's not Bartel Bartel. <laughs> Okay. Bartel Cope, his yeah. name is actually, but uh, okay. but he <clears throat> and he was a hip, right? And he found out about Bill, and he got all into Bill when he died, uh, and he um, was on my side and everything. But then, but then the um, the family flipped their lid and started fighting over all the stuff, and then nobody heard from them again, and they were forbidden to talk to any of Bill's friends. And Bill had my laptop, so I also, I just wanted my laptop back, you know, because his broke and I loaned him one. Um, but God only knows. Anyway, sensitive. Um, but um, his sister bought a weird record. She was an exchange student in Brazil in 1967, and she came home from Brazil with this Os Mutantes record, which people usually call Os Mutantes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. genius record and it was Bill's entire life purpose for a very long time to alert the world about this to the point where I mean they were as big as the Beatles in Brazil and Rita Lee who was the singer was like a modern day I don't know Pat Benatar or something in the at that time in the 80s she was like the biggest star still so I mean Bill's little tape putting on people's heads led all the way over years of, of time uh, to Brazil, to their reunion, which, which they have said in their own words, you know, like it's all because of Bill. Um, and stuff like, I got them, you know, they played at his memorial. <laughs> It's insane, you know, uh, how how crazy that is and how much they know they owe to him, which only Bill could do. I have messages, answering, answering machine messages from Bill in Brazil in their rehearsal room going like, oh, yeah, you know, like, and, and uh, of course, then I played it for some guy who 
who knew Mr. Know-it-all, I'll call him, and he released it because um, it was the only thing he had never heard of in his whole life, supposedly. And um, he, uh, I begged him and he thanked me and he didn't thank Bill. And it was so horrible. But that was the first release in America on other music. And then, you know, David Byrne found out about it and he released it and blah, blah, blah. It got huge. And they played, Bill took me on stage with him when they played at the Hollywood Bowl, opening for the Flaming Lips. And it was just, this thing went so far. And, you know, they were genius. It was illegal to play music in Brazil in the 60s at that time. They, you'd get arrested. Yeah. And they built... You couldn't buy a guitar, you couldn't buy anything. And, and they built everything just out of, just by listening to records by the, the Beatles and the Stones and whoever. And, and they, um, you know, the, the sound on the Osmotanches uh, guitar, you know, like Sergio built the guitar and we looked inside, he showed us how it works. It breaks every single night. He still uses it, but he has to fix it every day. And it's got a sewing bobbin um inside the guitar that makes a tremolo like that's how he figured out how to go you know like on the on the bottom of And, uh, you know, just crazy stuff. You know, like these are, they're all the effects, all the stuff is built by hand. Just genius. Um, and there's so much with that. It's just endless. But, uh, but it, Bill had the power. You know, he dropped that same Walkman on everyone from Thurston Moore to, you know, I'm sure Jeff heard it first. Oh, you mean, you yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I remember that record eventually got to the point where Kurt Cobain was name checking them in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, that, it's on YouTube. If you <laughs> yeah. go on YouTube, you can see the interview with Kurt uh, going, I have a friend named Bill. He has a mustache. And he holds <laughs> a, he draws a picture of Bill and he holds it up. And he goes, and I want to find, and then he goes, Sergio Baptista. And, and, Rita Lee, and like, and he says all their names, like he's announcing it or something. He goes, oh, Smootunches, I want to see them play, you know, like, and, and all of this stuff just snowballed into, you know. I said, where, where, where did you hear from them? I mean, how, who told you to try to live from this band? My friend Bill Bartell, who is, um, he has a record label called Gasatanka Records, and he was in White Flag, and he's friends with Red Cross. He's a very nice guy, he has a mustache. And um, he's a really nice guy, and he and he sent me a tape of the first two records um, a, f a few weeks ago, about a month ago, mm -hmm. and I really liked it. And he said, if you go to Brazil, you have to you have to say to everybody that this is a great band, and I agree with him. I think this is this is a very influential and cool band for the time. How did it sound to you? I mean, does it have a, like a Brazilian? kind of sound on the background. Yeah, that, there's a lot a of Latin impression. rhythms in there in some of this music, yeah. Because they came with this idea that let's mix Brazilian rhythm and rock. And this, uh -huh. this was in the late 60s. Right. Can you can you say some, something like typical from Brazil there? 
Yeah, oh definitely. There's some I, I can hear the, the rhythm and the influence in, in in the music a lot. I just I respect them so much. I'm just I'm not familiar with them very much because I've just started getting into mm -hmm. them. But I think from what I've read about them, they were they were very revolutionary. I mean they made their own effects boxes, you know? They they made their own fuzz boxes and, and they were also really controversial too, which was they had a lot of guts to be doing stuff like that in the in the military um, society that was going on then and I just think that is so cool. That was totally counterculture. Yeah, totally very people wouldn't believe what they did. Yeah. Their first gig there was a million people. Wow. The first Nirvana gig. No, the first, um, the first Ultimate Conscious yeah. reunion oh, show. Oh, God. It was during, um, I don't know if it, what festival, but it was like, you know, there was literally like a million people there. Um, and that's Bill. In Moreno Valley. <laughs> this is the thing that I think Jeff and I, we reflect on because so many people that we've had on our podcast have talked about Bill Bartell, the impact of Bill Bartell or these moments of contact, you know, like putting on the Walkman headset and boom, here, this is something that's gonna, that you're gonna love and don't worry about it. It's, how does he, you know, you said, this is him in essence. How does he get people to do it and to share in that vision? Cause like tater tots for me was that moment where Wait, he just said, let's just go on, no rehearsal, uh, Beetle Fest. Let's go, you know? That was great. So, live. That's and, probably but that's one of the greatest things that ever happened. Yeah, and it's also, there's a prankster mentality that we all of us, our little friend group shared. It was just kind of like, who can outdo the next guy? And Bill getting, um, I, where did he find Jimmy McNichol to be in that? I don't know. I mean, I mean you know, he someone was probably, always knows someone, you know. Or like Jimmy McNichol might have been at Beetle Fest and Bill just wrangled him up and got him on stage. But I mean, yeah, you that know, kind Bill, of stuff was not, it was a lot of spontaneous, spontaneous eruptions happening. Yeah, like Bill on Tuesday um, planting Yoko Ono heads in, in Nikki Six's front yard in the middle of the night and saying, putting signs up all over that neighborhood that there's a, a yard sale. <laughs> all in the name of like that, this was a picture of Yoko from the Grapefruit Record, which was kind of the, the, the logo for Tater Tots. So yeah, yeah they the had book. made these like but, popsicle stick masks out of them. Yeah, and they planted like, <laughs> A thousand of them in Nikki Six's front yard into the ground. <laughs> so it's performance art, you know. It's it's prankster pop culture. I can't wait to tell Nikki Six that story one day. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna torture someone, you might as well just like have um, a fake garage sale. That's harmless. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Uh, what would be his motivation in these? Is he just having a good time? Um, what do you performance think? Performance art. Cause confusion within performance art. Yeah, and yeah, just prankster performance art, one-upsmanship. Uh, I think in a way, it's a, that it's a lot of misguided. I know I suffered from it too. A lot of mis, um, misdirected um, 
creative energy being used for evil instead of good. We all should have been <laughs> making records and making good films, evil. but instead we were crank calling Courtney Love and um, Nikki Six. <laughs> and, and how we but you know <laughs> yeah but it, it's a continuation of the fascination uh, of of teenagerhood which um in most cases i would say keeps you young and but i guess not in bill's case but um you know it's it's a, a endless uh juvenile delinquent mode um, but it's also, you know, showing people who think they have power who's in charge. It's <laughs> challenging charge. their power. Yeah. I saw that, Jeff. What was that? Smoke coming out of your face. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, was, it, was. <laughs> it must be cold where Jeff lives. Uh, it um, is. It's freezing cold. Yes, it's <laughs> so I had a question for Jeff. This isn't the original cover, but this album, Teen Babes from Monsanto, from the Red Cross. Monsanto. Monsanto, right. Monsanto. Right. So, um, like Santo. originally released on Gasatanka Records, right? Is that correct? Right. Bill's label. So, yeah, did, we did, um, that yeah that I don't I don't know if that was maybe his second record that he put out on on um, Gasatanka but yeah we we wanted to do a self release record that no, no one would no one would put a record out by us no one not like Frontier wouldn't put records out none of the local labels so we so we just did it with Bill figured it would just be fun and at the time no one had no one had done. I mean, the only people who'd ever done tribute records were like David Bowie and Laura Nero. And so it was kind of an original idea at the time. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just a fun, fun time. But it also led people like us to you. Yeah, well, I think that the point of that a record- record traveled like the most mutantes. Yeah, you uh, find thing. like like-minded people through like your taste in music. And, and so, yeah, it was sending, it was about sending special messages out to people that you didn't know yet. And we, you know, charged your dressing room, like, we have to know you, you know? <laughs> I know, and we're all friends to everyone I met during that period with that record, I'm still friends with today. And that was, what, 40 years ago? <laughs> it was 84, I think. I think I never I'm bad with that, but it was either recorded in '84 and released '85. I think it was '84. Yeah, it's listed as a '84 release date. Right, right. So, you know, that's how you did, that's how you did it then. I mean, you know, like we were talking about Os Mutantes tapes. So that's like, that became viral. 
you know, and then sending out secret coded messages out to, you know, potential friends through your records. And, you know, we had to be so uh, creative in those days to communicate and find people, you know, that were like-minded. But there's also, um, and then after he um, had a little success with Osmatanches, which was never enough for Bill, he, he then he discovered Shonen Knife. <laughs> <laughs> which was another he put them on the map too yeah yeah it was a big big you know revelation to he did the work that i turned him on the shonen knife but he did all of the work i just was sat back and watched (laughs) and you know and firmly got those guys established you know i mean they still tour the world today and much beloved yeah and it's all because of bill but it's a, yeah, like some, some people don't have well, that money-making gene, you know? It's like, there's all the creativity in the world, just do all this revolutionary stuff, but like don't know how to put, to put it into, turn it into a business, which, you know, I don't fault him because I, I suffered from the same thing, but it's, you know, it's a, just another personality trait. Of Except for like they that. thought they were a pop group and Bill thought they were this absurd, bizarre thing that he, you know, just was like they were in on, they were in on their own bizarrity. You saw those original videos, I guess so. But they were trying to just be they were trying to be quirky and sixties. Yeah, but they I don't think they realized how that you know f- at first people laughed right, which is fine. You yeah. know what I mean? And and then people went, oh, wait a minute, this is really good. Yeah, and, they took the ball and went with it. But they remember they used yeah. to say it's only and then Shonen Knife. Bill and never only... talk to him again. <laughs> yeah, but but because they were stolen from him from a guy who was whose claim to fame that he was in the quick for five minutes, which I had not been able to confirm, even though I know members of the quick, even though even though I'm an honorary member of the quick. But um, I digress. Uh, no, but the thing that was funny about Shonen Knife is, so after we, I, I contacted, I, I contacted them after I saw their this video compilation of theirs, and and they came out on a vacation, and then Bill kind of became their manager automatically, and we put them on stage with us <laughs> at the Roxy, but they would always say, no, no, Shonen Knife is only hobby, it's only hobby, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> thirty years later, yeah. <laughs> and then they write a they write a song called Red Cross. Red Cross writes a song called Shona Knife. What? Yeah, and they used to call Bill Devil Bill. 
<laughs> so that is very telling right there that yeah so yeah telling. yeah devil bill <laughs> see i find that fascinating they say oh no only hobby and bill no no yeah 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 always looking for the next big oh, weird big thing he went on tour with them he showed up with them in new york and we were just like what about the no shags one? the shags is another oh thing. my god i he taped took, it he took the I shag we love the Shags. I mean, I, Howie separately from me, and I had that record for Edber, and I loved it. And we, and it was a small base of people who worshipped the Shags, like literally worshipped them. But of course, he gets in there with them. He's backstage yeah. talking to them. I mean, okay, so the Shags, their their father, you know, forced them to be a band because he was trying to get famous. The great rich. Austin Wiggins. Yes, whose car business card I own, and uh, and and he, um, uh, you know, tortured them, and this all came out later, of course, and forced them to be a band, and they couldn't really understand how to play, so they went into this autistic sort of ingenious mode of inventing a new form of music, which had never <laughs> been heard before or since, and. <laughs> <laughs> and they made a record that was endlessly like called the worst record ever made, which you know means it's great. Just like which I don't take anyone serious. If, if yeah, if somebody says, "Oh, the Shags," like an Ed Wood movie, you know, which yeah, well, I would never. I don't take anyone. You serious. can watch an Ed Wood movie fifty times because they're 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 entertaining. They're actually good, you know. And and that album is just uh, a mind. Lower. So it's Halloween, it's Halloween, it's time for scares, it's time for screams. It's Halloween, it's Halloween. The ghosts will spook, the spooks will scare. Why even Dracula will be there? It's time for games, it's time for fun, not for just one, but for everyone. The Dracula's are calling up all the dummies are made. Fast forward 30 years. This, there's a band called NRBQ, and they reissued the album in 1980, and the entire punk world discovered it. And everyone, but you know, how many people, you know, the people who liked it liked it, you know, it was funny for a minute or whatever. But, but some people, you know, like us, totally worshiped it, you know, and, uh, I know every single word, every single song. Yeah, so they played every Friday night in their local um, dance in the '60s, <laughs> and kids stood there and threw garbage at them. In the Rhode Island, what, uh, no, in uh, New Hampshire. Oh, right, New Hampshire, or up, up there, and yeah. and uh, and they were tortured by their father they were tortured by all the kids they were tortured by everyone and the father died and they put their stuff away and they never played again after 1970 or something so uh frank zappa had the album of course when it came out he somehow got his hands on a copy and he would bring it to radio stations when he would go on and he would say this is the greatest this is better than the beatles and he would play the shags <laughs> and uh 
Um, so NRBQs, it was their 30th anniversary and somehow they got the Shags to agree to play. Um, and so Bill, who somehow, for someone who didn't have any money, always had the funds to just about go anywhere on earth at the drop of a dime. <laughs> and he would say, Sky Miles. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what? I don't know what that's code for. But uh, so, um, so, but, you know, Bill, he, you know, we, he came and he stayed over and we went to see the Shags, which was one of the most craziest days of my life ever. Like, and I have pictures of Bill and the Shags and they went on first and there was almost no one there. It was terrible. Um, but they opened for Sun Ra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's impressive. And I recorded all of this, right? Because these are the, the idols of NRBQ, this band that's been around forever. Like, um, and, uh, and so I was, I taped the show on this amazing recorder I have, and it's a really great tape. And um, I also taped the Shags and their mother watching Sun Ra. <laughs> Which was... Their mother was still alive? Yeah. I didn't get to go to that show. Oh, wow. Wow. And, uh, and then I had a foot foot, I had a partial foot foot tattoo on my foot, sort of, <laughs> that I had gotten like hand poked on by my friend who passed away. And um, it was so painful, I just told him to stop. So I had like a half of an outline of foot foot and I explained to Dot Wigan what it was. And I had her draw the rest of it on. Oops. And, um, I don't even know where it is. And uh, let's see. And there it is. I can't make this happen. Show and tell with ha Howie Pyro. Right? <laughs> My pal foot foot. And there's the foot foot. Hey now. Woo. Foot <laughs> so, uh, and I have pictures and Bill is screaming. He's almost crying. Like he's just standing in the middle of a dance floor and there is the only person and no one's near him. And he's just like holding his head and practically crying. <laughs> it was just so amazing. And it really was amazing. And, and, um, and of course, Don Bowles was there. He was the only other, you know, person we knew. And, uh, um, and then miraculously, who played? Oh, and the Monks played the, the week later. And it was another, the first time they played in America and they broke up in 1967 or whatever. And uh, somehow Bill went home and came back. <laughs> <laughs> and was there for that too, which is probably well, the second most important. Well, yeah, him like flying to gigs all the time was insane. So I remember him telling me but when the Plastic Ono band um, did um, a reunion shows uh, like several years back, he went to Oklahoma City and, and ran into Sean on the street and Sean invited them back to his mom's hotel room and they had, and his mom bought everyone French fries and snacks. And I, think, so oh, nice. I told Bill, I go, wow, Bill, you've made it. Like you actually hung out in a hotel room with Yoko Ono, that's it. You've done everything you came here to achieve. He's like, yeah, 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 that's true. 
And then he died. And then he died, like like a year <laughs> later. <laughs> oh my god! So he, um, he really is the punk rock Zelig, just appearing in all these places where you would never imagine. Like, well, I, the thing about Zelig though, Zelig kind of was a ghostly figure. Um, Bill would would get on your last nerve, like he. He would get in lap. there with people and make you like drive you insane. Like it was just like, you know, it yeah, was Bill craved interaction. Yeah, it, negative or positive. Like all of his friends had he gone through long negative. periods of time not speaking to him because of like yeah. of like bullshit. Including us. <laughs> but yeah, I um, mean, we, but he did. You know, he. We think all of us. You know, are close friends. We think about him all the time. And, Totally I realized this is how weird Bill is, and I and I, t I say this from my heart. I really do, and I'm sure Jeff remembers. But um, I went to say speak after going through all of this stuff, and after dealing with all of this, and and you know helping put together whole massive memorials and all these things, and I at the actual memorial, the small one in the Club Nila in uh, Northeast LA, Nila. Um, I got on stage to say something like everyone was doing. And I, I cracked. I couldn't speak. I started crying my eyes out. I couldn't even, every time I started a word, I, I just, I, and I kept trying to talk, and I kept trying to talk, and I kept trying to talk, and, and I couldn't. And, and the grief was a kind of grief. I mean, I've lost my parents. I've lost, you know, the love of my life. I've lost a million people, but I don't know what. Um, but I realized on stage at his memorial, that he was my best friend, which is a very weird thing. Like, you know, usually you know who your best friends are, you know what I mean? Like, um, but, but I, you know, it just hit me so really hard uh, how, just how um, important he was and, and how much I, I cared for him, you know, and, and, uh, I hated him so so That's much. That's what I was gonna say. I I I relate to that so totally. But yeah, but it's the same. The best friend that you would go months without speaking to because they pissed you off so much. Yeah. Or like, like and, you know, he changed at the end. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. But Bill's. Let's get into the mystery of Bill. Please. <laughs> I've not cracked that one. That, I'm sorry. No, I mean, but I mean, just me and you, you know, we were going to hire a, a private detective. Do you remember this? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. Because we needed to just, we desperately needed to know where he went. Well, yeah, because he would compartmentalize. He would only tell some of our friends about certain aspects of his life and completely keep other people in the dark and then share certain other things with other people. So no one really knew. We were all so confused. So, I mean, we, you know, to have to be but like- And there that, was stuff he never told any of us. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, here's and this person like- to know. He's like <laughs> hanging, like when the cops are right against punk rockers, he's hanging out with the police. 
And then, you know, um, and, you know, they're harassing mm -hmm. his friends. And then he becomes a cop and he's a school teacher and all this weird stuff. And he's just this freak. And we could, I mean, it was impossible. He's riding, riding a bull. <laughs> yeah, he's then the bull riding. Riding a bull. And he has videos to prove it. And of course, there's a number 23 on his back, which is a whole nother thing. Bill, you got to understand something. Um, you need to read Philip K. Dick, who is both of our favorite authors, me and Bill. Um, most any movie you've seen in the science fiction realm in the last 30 years was derived probably from a Philip K. Dick story. But, but Philip K. Dick was nuts. And he, he saw, he, there was a, a little pink beam of light that he thought followed him around. And um, yeah, that he, he wrote a book called The Exegesis um, that's like 6,000 pages long. You know, like I, nobody's probably read it. But, um, but his, his regular books, they're really nuts. Like, uh, like you don't, <clears throat> they don't really come across in movies how how incredible they are in, on paper and um, like about there's one movie about a guy who's a cop and he has a scramble suit it's called and and it, keep, it changes his face every two seconds so and his his whole visual uh so that he can never be recognized and he's assigned to get the huge drug dealer um and then at one point he realizes he's both of them. He's, <laughs> he's down. chasing them. Cells. He is them. He is it. And and this is the kind of stuff that Bill's head <clears throat> totally tapped into. And as it turns out, <clears throat> you know the last thing that ever happened. Um. And this is totally as Philip K. Dick as you can get. I should probably save this for the end, but but um, uh, they were making the Germs movie, and Bill was there every day, as were all of the Germs that were alive, and all of lots of our old friends, and all of those people. And I was, I had, I'm from New York, but I came out to LA in 1978 and was very close with all of those people and stayed close with them. So, you know, and I hadn't seen a lot of them in a long time and blah, 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 blah. And then we all started hanging out and um, we, um, I wound up being the fashion police for the movie so that it would be in line with the, the year that it was being filmed. <clears throat> so, you know, they'd line everyone up and I'd go down the line and I'd be like, uh, piercing out, you know, exploited jacket out, you know, like, you know, blah, 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 you know, these things didn't exist yet. Sorry, buddy, out, you know, like, and I would kick out the people. <laughs> they hated me. And, uh, and, but, and the, the, the last day I, I was, um, I was, at that time, I was uh, taking people out from a rehab and, and, you know, they can go out on a day pass with someone that the, the rehab trusts or whatever. And I would take people out and, you know, go to a movie or take them somewhere crazy if they were cool, you know. 
Um, so there was a kid I, I was taking out from a rehab who was like the youngest, um, like a genius recording engineer. And he, um, we stayed friends after. So I was really good friends with him. And he worked with Kiss. He worked with all these people. <clears throat> and I had two friends named Justin and Bill um, dubbed them. There was the good Justin and the bad Justin. And this was the good Justin. And the good Justin got out of the rehab and we stayed friends and we started doing at what at that time mashups. This was like in the early 2000s. Uh, and because my brain is so full of music, I started creating these insane like collisions of music and he would make them happen. I would just tell him. So I brought him with me on the last filming day and Bill was like, never met him before. So Bill was totally being cool and really nice to him and, and Bill dressed him up in Bill's um, teenage outfit that he wore at the for the Decline movie in the orange shirt. You know, it's very famous. Uh, you can see it in the Decline of Western Civilization when the germs are playing and Bill draws on his face, Darby's face and blah, 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 blah. And that whole thing was recreated. So Bill dressed my friend Justin like Bill as a teenager in the exact real clothes that Bill wore. And then Bill now was in a police uniform. And at one point in the movie, Bill, the police officer arrests Bill, the teenager. And, and I'm standing there, like I fully understand what's going on here. So, um, Justin, um, in the midst of uh, life in general, um, went awry and, and disappeared, and he died on the same day as Bill. What? Wow. And he only met Bill that one time, but the day before he died, he made his, and you can still see it, he made his um, profile picture on Facebook, the picture of him getting arrested by Bill. Uh, which stands forever as um, a bizarre, bizarre, like a to lot me, of witchery. <laughs> right? So much in, in this. There's so much in this that I, it, I could do an interview. Just, uh oh, sorry, what happened? I could do oh. an interview. Okay, there you are. I can do an interview just about that one thing for probably hours on end like and and the the all the depths of the weirdness of it all but yeah so yeah, to so me that's one of the yeah so it goes deeper than just um it, it's more witchy than ghostly that's what i would say his existence was yes <laughs> much more <laughs> so what about but you know oh go ahead I was just going to say, what about Bill like as a performer? So we haven't even talked about White Flag, right? So...
<laughs> he had to hold that one up. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most disturbing um, oh, picture. What? <laughs> Bill is Melanie. That's yeah. when Melanie and Kim weren't talking anymore. Of course, Bill wanted to get them. Friends yeah, he thought that would make them friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. God. I, mean, it was, I mean, it was Kim and Melanie weren't speaking at the time. Mm. Bill was speaking to everyone. But in, the, but in this particular picture, Bill is Melanie, right? Yeah, yeah, he's Melanie in that picture. That's the, that was just at the time when Kim and Melanie weren't speaking. Understood. But Bill was friends so with he both figures, of them. So, so he's trying to get them yeah, both so of them. Bill decided he'd be Melanie and he <laughs> would make them speak through him. So there, then again, there you have the them pronoun. I think it's better them than they, because they does mean, they mean something in particular, but them is just a collection of people that, like you're talking about the face scrambler. Yeah, I've never known anyone in my life who can compartmentalize their existence to so many little cubes ever in my life. And, and I knew Bill probably longer than any person I've known so far. And like I said, there's still big giant pieces missing. And um, the, live, the live performance thing was, um, yeah, Bill as a live performer, it was, it was, I don't know. It was a weird trip. If you didn't know him, it would be different than if you did know him, first yes. of all. So it was yet another right? personality that like, who's that clown? Yeah, that's a third <laughs> one. Like, uh, the third eye. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bill as the third eye, <laughs> another reference. Um, but Bill, you know, he every, every little move he made was a, uh, a tribute or or a fuck you to something or someone, which every was always like that with him, with everything, you know, and and you know like he had like a spinning guitar strap and he had like a, you know he had uh, Paul Paul Stanley's Iceman in his closet, which was one of the things I wanted to tell his family. The, oh, the broken you know? guitar. Um, and, yeah, but it's still worth tons of money. Um, but they would see it as a broken guitar and throw it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that still haunts Which, you to this day. Very much so. <laughs> as a collecting nightmare human. So you, you actually don't know what happened to Paul's broken guitar? It's no. Still yeah, Bill Paul, had a few of them. All ties were cut. Because Bill, Bill went to so many Kiss shows. And he, he got bodies, guitar necks from many different shows that he had he had a couple of complete guitars made from various um bodies and necks another them <laughs> <laughs> them guitar <laughs> the only guitar the them. only guitar i have of paul's is this one right here so it's, it's oh wow wait is that a oh it's a plush toy plush. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I would much rather have the one that's probably still sitting in Bill's closet if it didn't get thrown in the dumpster. God forbid. Well, you know. Oh, there's no more Bill. Bill's closet is wide open now. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, and there's all of that. You know, Bill told me that um, 
he wound up posing for a Christmas card for um, Tom of Finland. I heard that too, but himself. I never saw anything. Um, but if you really look at Bill, uh, like teenage Bill, like his profile or his face, he has that exact Tom of Finland no, yeah, face. He, called, he doesn't have the body, but... Yeah, he definitely manufactured that look. That was like, he was the first like oh. Tom of Finland kid to be hanging out at Black Flag shows. It was, it was, he would just baffle <laughs> people with that image, the leather image. Yeah, but his face really, uh, it's very, very similar. Like Tom of Finland as an artist. And you know, he was, when we were kids, Tom of Finland was 60, probably 60 or however old. He was very old, you know. Um, he'd been doing that since the 40s. So, um, by the 80s, he was, you know, probably 60 years old. How old we are now? I am now. <laughs> um, and, uh, ouch. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, it's got to be true. And I have, I know someone at the Tom of Finland Foundation, and I'm going to go take a look and <laughs> try and figure this one out. Yeah, that's <clears> all. Um, yeah, yeah. They have everything there. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, man, Lord only knows. But there's a lot of that uh, weird, you know, like the Trump cop on the white flag page, <laughs> you know. And, and, uh, which is funny that he uh, he took it upon himself to plop himself publicly onto there to, to be known. <laughs> That guy. Oh, you know? his bills old friend from He that wasn't that wasn't like a, a private message. That was a message to the world. <laughs> so you're referring to a post that's on the white flag page? Yeah, yeah. By yeah, the one former that I told you target. about that you Yeah. I mean that guy's scary. You don't know him, Howie. He could be great. We talked about how scary he was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he maybe well, if if he's not scary, then he wants to give off scary. Yeah. Well, vibe. I know that I know that um, Bill hated Trump more than anything. Even before he died, <laughs> before the Trump era, he hated. I guess it was during the birther movement that uh, we would go on mm. long rants about Trump. So it's odd that his biggest. Well, you man, know, he was in New York enough. Yeah, he was in New York enough to know, like anyone who lived, who's from New York hates Trump yeah. because he's a piece of shit uh, just as a landlord and as a New York face, you know, no one ever liked him, you know what I mean? So that, the fact, you know, Bill is part of that mentality because he was in New York so much, you know, you couldn't avoid it in the newspapers and wherever he was just, a, you know, how can you be such a hyper liberal and be a, a cop in like a, like an extremely conservative town. It's like, th that's what they there do. You go. That's like more mystery. Yeah, he, he definitely seems like a mystery to me for sure. And, and how you were mentioning how everything or a lot of stuff that Bill did, um, maybe had cultural connections, right, or or connections to different things, and it made me think of the, the Tater Tots record, right. So, I mean, you look yeah, at Linda. That was, I mean, the Tater Tots were put together basically to kind of hold Linda and Yoko up to like the to the to the level that they should be recognized. Like we all worship both Linda McCartney and Yoko tremendously.
But mainly Yoko. But Linda too, because I mean, when I saw Paul McCartney, that's another Bill Bartel thing. Um, when I, I went to, we saw um, Paul McCartney play at, at um, Amoeba Records. And, um, I, and um, of course, Bill was shouting out, he's shouting out, Cook of the House, Cook of the House, which is an obscure Linda song. Paul, Paul totally said, oh, yeah, but of course, Linda. But he did that just to upset Paul. He didn't do that because he loved Linda. Oh, he loved Linda. But, um, yeah, but, no, Paul gave him, you know, the, the total thumbs up. So that yeah, was weird. Right. He knows how to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it was all about Yoko. It always was about Yoko. Um, and Tuesday is another person. Oh my God, where is she? She exists. I get little things from her, but I always forget her real name, so I never know. Morgan. She is so crazy. She, yeah, but with some weird Italian uh, long, like Di Silvestrioni or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, but uh, I still have, she once sent me a box of Jello in the mail with my address on the outside of the box, so not wrapped up or anything, just a box of Jello. <laughs> with stamps on it. Yeah, on the Jello box. Oh my God. So was she a friend of Bill's? Yeah. yeah, she's a friend of all of us. She's the one who, yeah, she's, she's the face Yoko planter. But she's also the person who was Yoko in the Tater Tots with the with the paper mask. Oh, yeah, she performed as Mainly. Yoko as well. But so the that tater tots thing just got so out of control that it, basically he manifested Yoko. Yoko wrote like a note like, "Oh, tater tots, great." Or like you know, I forget what she said, but there was like some Yoko thank you card about how she really enjoyed the tater tots. Yeah, and there was uh, who just told this story. Was was it on the last podcast? Did someone tell the story about uh, the private messaging with Sean? Yes, yes. And Bill's Bill's uh, instead of a ding, Bill's sound on private messenger was a woman screaming. <laughs> and and Sean, every time Bill sent Sean a response, it made that sound. And then Yoko called Sean into the kitchen and told him, "What is that horrible?" thing and then and then and then Sean went back and told Bill um you know mom wants you to turn that off she can't stand hearing this horrible woman <laughs> screaming sound <laughs> which is one of the funniest oh sentences God. ever ever spoken on on earth 
hilarious. <laughs> but how crazy it is for you guys, Jeff, in this Tater Tots project, and it gets gets back to Yoko. That must be mind blowing. Yeah, because you never. I, I I mean, you never you never imagine that anything like that is going to reach people like Yoko. But I think what happened was Sean was starting to come of age and it was kind of experimenting with underground music and he, he somehow found the record and became a fan. So that's how yeah. he was a little kid. I mean, when he was But we also met Sean somewhere, I can't remember where, through, uh, um, was it around the Germs movie with what's her name was in Bijou. the movie? And she was, yeah, Bijou. So I think that was the connection. Right. Uh, and then we met Sean. I was with Bill when he met him. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. But Sean always remembered. Yeah, Sean um, liked him. You know, and he remembered me. Like he has a good um, memory. So, um, but he, he uh, but he's, Yoko did like it. And she did get it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, but see, these are the Bill milestones. Bill made milestones that were impossible to achieve, and then he achieved them, and then he had to beat them, <laughs> and that was his life. Yeah, kind of like an alcoholic. <laughs> One drink is never enough. Yeah. <laughs> and a thousand Yokos is too many <laughs> on Nikki Six's lawn. <laughs> It sounds to me like, not to be existential, but it sounds to me like Bill had oh, this please. energy about him or something that made things happen or... Very manic, like a mania. Like if, if something got in there, it was an obsession that did Always. not leave at all until, like like how he had said, until all these little milestones were achieved. But he also, <clears throat> but literal... Um, manic yeah like he, he would you know he stuttered and not because he stuttered he stuttered because he couldn't speak fast enough for his mind to pump out the thoughts like his mouth couldn't keep up with his head his head was going so fast i don't know if yeah if they put him on ritalin or something <laughs> you know like or they should you know bill <laughs> in all of this bill never ever drank or took a, any drug ever until at the end um his whole life yeah i mean every all of his friends were going through their their dark junky period and like and he was like straight as like straight as a clean as a whistle that and a cop yeah that part of me <laughs> well both of those and a stalker yeah. <laughs> it was all just organic to who he was there was no he was just very very smart very kind of born into the wrong family into the wrong the wrong town i think you know i mean he was like a dookie hauser he i think he graduated from college when he was 16 or 15 or something insane like that just really bright but nowhere to put it until you know he met other freaks yeah. but he would also let all the freak friends do the more dangerous fun and he'd live vicariously through them so he went <clears throat> well, crazy. Not, yeah, not to say that we're smart, but you know, a lot of our friends weren't smart enough for Bill. I didn't mm -hmm. get his um, thing. They just saw the you annoying I mean? so, gene. So me and Jeff and others, most probably most of the people that you are speaking to are the people who did get 
that stuff and, and and that's why they got it so involved you know um <clears throat> it's just like uh but you know bill was almost veering towards the other people so he could just shred them <laughs> and make fun of them without them knowing it and then laugh at them without them knowing it except they kind of had a feeling they were being had but they had no idea what the fuck he was talking about because they just couldn't put it together <laughs> brutal and cruel which is the best way to make fun of people you know what i mean just hint that you're making fun of them and then just go on and on and on and leave them in the dust, you know, of stupidity. <laughs> but it sounds like he would make fun of people that he admired. Yes, very much so. Well, I'm That's not how talk, he got I'm in there friends. with them a lot of times. Like people like Kiss and mm -hmm. Gene Simmons, like he knew so much, so much minute detail about Gene Simmons that if he was ever to cross him in a social situation, it would just blow his mind with just dro dropping weird, you know, feeding his bit. ego. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not talking about, there's, there's, there, as far as they go, <laughs> there is, there's a uh, different, again, segments. The, there's the famous people yeah. that he was, yes, trying to annoy, but I'm, I was talking about friends right. before, which is a whole nother, mm -hmm thing i mean he tried to annoy everybody that's for sure and did annoy everybody but yeah he's but he, a full-on um, i mean i don't know you would call him bipolar but you would definitely say somebody who definitely mad. definitely yeah who would have fits of total mania and drag you down with it because you'd wonder well, why am i why have i talked to bill for two days in a row until dawn on the telephone you know it's like absurd that you just kind of get pulled into this nonsense yeah, and he also drank uh, at least a gallon of Diet Coke a day, which is what a lot of us think may have killed him. Honestly? Yeah. Honestly? For real. Yeah, yeah, some people think that. Like a giant, giant, like two of those biggest bottles. Oh, the liter bottles? Of two liter Two liter bottles. bottles. Yeah. Wow. So do you guys feel like you really knew Bill? No, not, not, not I. Um, Aspects. Only, only in the last year or two did he, with me at least, let down um, a lot of the curtains and I found out, you know, certain things that, and I, they're boring. So he yeah. had his heart broken, big deal. So did everybody, but for him, it was the only time it ever happened and he didn't feel like it was pertinent enough to share that kind of information because it wasn't funny or, or, or interesting. <laughs> and, you know, but he kept all the pain inside, um, which is also very unhealthy, you know. Yeah, and you couldn't even drag it. Even if you suspected it, you couldn't really drag it out of him most, most of the time. No, until I think he knew he was going. Um, and he started to tell out of nowhere because I surely gave up asking. Um, but he started to tell me all this stuff, which I wish uh, I could remember. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <A lot of it. laughs> I remember some of it, but you know, like I, I'm really bad with stuff like that. The main thing to me <laughs> is that he actually opened up to you, Howie. That's yeah. To me, that is something that 
it says a lot about who he was because he was this person that you guys interacted with in all these strange with all these for decades and then at this at the tail end of his life there was this this period of time when he felt he wanted you to know yeah yeah i mean i think dave martin said something similar and i know that he also did that with yeah i mean he opened he would open like certain aspects of his life to to certain people he felt he was comfortable with but but that what was whatever that bit of like how he said nonsense was i mean it was just like the things that bothered him were were not big huge deals his actual crazy life was way more intense than what his secret existence was whatever that was maybe <laughs> i don't know but i but it's but like he would be very close the reason he never told anyone is because he did not want this to happen yeah yeah right and that's why we're not we're, we still have certain things we cannot <laughs> i totally respect that yeah I totally okay agree. thank you you know this was his biggest pat's biggest fear <laughs> nice. was was this conversation now he's wanted public. people to talk about him no matter what at any cost that's why we... except for that except for this subject right what now subject? the secret subject of any secret subject yeah and what did they just what so, did you know, mark you want to private. call his documentary i think he said the secret life or lives of of bill bartell if he would ever make oh, what he did was secret <laughs> is a yeah, that's why Obvious. the Darby Crash connection. <laughs> so is there anything that happened in your guys' life that will always be the 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 one thing that you remember about Bill? Oh, for me, it was like seeing him in action at the Kiss. Um, I'd never seen him torture and kiss at the, um, at, the, at the Kiss press conference. I'd never even um, hung out with him before. So I'd never seen anyone do that kind of like torture the people that they love that way it was insane i didn't even know how to i didn't even know how to i didn't even understand it at the time and you were sitting right next to bill jeff at the time oh yeah like why is he asking them those questions i mean i, I mean i just it was the first time i'd ever experienced anyone being that much that mischievous i think and that's coming from me who's well known being a very mischievous person (laughs) (laughs) serious what about you howie is there anything that the one defining Mm, the whole thing i mean i don't know this you know this there's too many things the osmotachi's thing you know the far-reaching long-lasting serious uh miracles that he performed were pretty crazy um um, I'm probably after I'm listening. So many of the messages on my answering machine tapes seem to be from him that I'm gonna probably remember a lot more. Oh yeah, you have to go through the those. Um, but I, um, you know, not to be a bummer, but the, that last thing of of that kid and his the fact that they died on the same day is the most mind-numbingly and and the weird role and, reversal bizarro back in time inside out, inside out. <laughs> yeah. Forward in time. yeah um but like 
also my childhood friend, the drummer of my first band, died that day. So I was working, I was DJing the night before at the Ace Hotel. And I was just, everyone was dying, <laughs> one after the other. Um, and I can't, who, who was the one who called? Was it EFH? Who called? Uh, who got a hold of his, who was the one who found out that Bill passed away? I did. You did? Yeah. And I, now I don't even but remember. Did, you did. I called a couple of people. I don't remember how I even found out. Well, there was there was a a, a, a um, what would you call this, Jeff? Like a, a a group of people by that point where that would search for Bill. Oh yeah, yeah, for a couple of days. Bad things started happening. Yeah. where like he would claim that he fell in his driveway and his face is like smashed in. And he's in the hospital. Well, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it just illness that he would be in the hospital but he would never have a cell phone so we'd always have to try to find him every if we didn't hear from him in like at least in a week's time so i think yeah it was, so yeah so then it, it like out. all the phone calls were going around jennifer and and jeff and and me and and i don't know why i thought efh may have called me or somebody i can't remember um but it was like one yeah, you know who EFH is? I don't know who that Eric. is. Eric. Jeffrey. Oh, Eric from Hall. Oh, that's Eric from Hall. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I'm sure Bill made that up. <laughs> I think he did. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I just got one phone call after the other. I woke up and die. Everyone's dying. Like, and I, I was in shock already by the first phone call. By the second phone call, I was completely numb and staring at the wall. And by the third phone call, I just didn't think I could drive home from Palm Springs. I, I just sat there and I called the front desk. And uh, I mean, I'd been DJing there for years and years and years. So I was just like, look, I can't. I'm staying an extra day. I can't go anywhere. Um, that was really, I don't want to remember bad though. I don't, I don't want to, um, but that is such a bizarre miracle. And then fine. And then <clears throat> I went online to see, um, you know, what was being said on Facebook or whatever. And, and it said um, that Justin, changed his profile photo the night before and I looked at it and I was just like oh god you know um and again he only met Bill that one day ever that I know of <laughs> um you never know I guess but uh, with Bill but you know the Bill's hysteria is something I will always remember, like at, at great moments of, of, of impossibility coming true before his eyes. <laughs> yeah, the enthusiasm was hysterical. And yeah. it's hard to kind of muster was, that, you know. <laughs> and you can look at photos now and you can see so like his eyes are bulging he's so sweaty that you could see his head through his hair he's so soaking wet from sweat you know like and, and he's just you know um like peaking on acid right. 
natural. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But totally sober, <laughs> totally clean. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Weird, I know. And it's only a, it's a, only the tip of the iceberg. This is not even where I thought this would go. You know, like I, I thought it would be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> you know, like this is like um, just not even the tip of the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> you know, this is nothing. So, Soraya, it sounds like we need to learn a lot more. I mean, yes. Yes. Yep. every time we speak to somebody about Bill Bartel, it just gets more complicated. That like this photo just... Well, you should tell... Oh, don't you think that's going to Find stop. the people here that he was, did the police, like that he, other people that he worked with at the police force. That's one area that could be very interesting to explore. Yeah, and I'm I'm close. I live in the Inland Empire, so that's there you go. It's not far for me to take a drive um, to Banning over to Banning. Right, the Banning Beaumont. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, what wow, that, that what's that? What what's in that picture? It's a a real oh. photo of Bill and, and the police force. Yeah, I just saw that for the first time. That is insane. See, that looks like a Halloween picture, but it's actually... It's Cox and Stone at the shop, Jeff. What? what else do you want? Like a... <laughs> yeah. And... That was my yum yum donut. How can, I turn... yeah. How can I flip the picture around? Oh, there. Okay. Hang on. This is my oh, refrigerator. My <laughs> um... oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great shot. It's all chest. It's all. It's so weird that <laughs> what's underneath it is so strange. <laughs> you are under oh Wow. <laughs> Just look at. I mean. Yeah. So part. Look at this photo. Uh, I, I I see it. Everything about it exactly. is wrong. <laughs> Which makes it so right. <laughs> yeah, I know it's about Bill's head is about right up level with um, Paul's breath. Nipple. <laughs> He's ready to drink from the fountain of kiss. Of kiss. Oh, breath. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's breath. This is. <laughs> you guys, okay. I have got like two percent more battery on my phone. So if I just drop out, that's what's happening with okay. me. Well, we'll. So we you. wanted to let you go. Thank you guys for spending so much time with us. Um, again, um, how long was uh, this? Almost an hour and a half. Oh my God. That's all my phone. I'm like thinking this battery is dying quickly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, good luck. And, and definitely go check out the Banning Beaumont um, police station. Let us know if what you find out. That'd be very interesting. I'm totally going to do that. I'm totally going right to do that. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Can you tell by the photo which um, which station it is or whatever by a patch arm or something. Yeah. I think it was ban banning yeah. police, banning Beaumont. But yeah, hyphen. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're both connected right there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, guys. All I'm, right. I'm gonna go. It was so great to hang out with you. Bye. Oh, Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Uh, all right, Howie. Make thank you for making this happen. Uh, thank you for all your <laughs> stories. Uh, with <laughs> hey, hold on, there we go. Did that come out backwards? <laughs>
I like it. No, it came Was out it backwards. It no, it came out perfect. No sense. Wait, let oh, me see. Okay. I want to see that. When I see it, it's backwards. Yeah, but we see it fine. I love nice. it. And Howie, please know that our door is open anytime you want to share more. I mean, you and Jeff gave us more information, but whew, literally, knock on the door. Yeah. I, I mean, I did not. Uh, I really thought that that was going to be a whole thing altogether. <laughs> I thought it was going to be. Um, that's what's so amazing about, you know, why I insisted on pairing people up. Because, um, uh, you know, it creates a mixture that uh, brings up uh, stuff you would never think of. On yeah, so that's one of the reasons why we like the panel idea is friends bouncing things off of each other, whereas on a one-on-one, -on -one, it's a little bit different, right? You, it's a totally different vibe. And it seems like with a panel situation, like friends spark ideas off of each other or memory. But then if there's too many, even with me and Jeff, there's two, you know, if you have more than two or three people, then you won't hear anything and you'll lose half the stories and everyone's jumping into their other, everyone else's story because they also have something insane to say and they're going to forget it if they don't scream it out at that moment so you gotta you gotta really um as someone who's been doing this forever you gotta keep it to a small amount of people so that the the words can be heard you know yeah yeah that's good howie and i don't know one of these days you're gonna have to let us uh or you're gonna have to take us on a tour of some of your your memorabilia and stuff because that fridge well, alone look. had fun stuff. <laughs> and I can only imagine 30,000 well, pieces <laughs> of music and boxes with Bill and Ha. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Forget that. That's nothing compared. This is the actual ashtray that Andy Warhol got the banana from. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Howie, Howie's house is, oh my God. Yeah, there's. Whenever, I mean, look whenever at, you want to do a little walk walk through, please let us know. Soraya, I totally recommend you check out uh, Howie Pyro's Sick Sick World on YouTube. There's some a few episodes that are. <laughs> with, oh yeah, that was an so experiment. The, uh, Howie's got a collection of horror comics that you've got to check out. Not even, well, you can just watch it and see, but. Um, just, this just goes on and on and on forever and ever and ever. And then, uh, like, I was, my interest was peaked when he talked about the Born Innocent poster he just got. But, um, I don't know where it is. I'm not even going to ask you. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but that ashtray yeah. was pretty. I have so many Howie Pyro questions, Ryan. I have so many questions. <laughs> Look at that. Another time, yeah. I think, Jeff. My gosh. Yeah. So we wanted to focus today on Bill's life, Howie, but I want to know a lot about your life. I mean, I saw the pictures of you with Genesis Peorage and um, I drink that Dreams Less Sweet album that Psychic TV did easily in my top 10, a uh, top 100 of all time. That he did this himself. Oh, he oh, did wow. the test or did 
And only the, the there's only two people he ever tattooed. It's hard to see right yeah. in this. Oh, there you go. Dang. You can see his name uh -huh. on the little tree that he draws next to his name, and the psychic cross, which was perfect. And then he and the twenty three underneath. Uh, and then he asked if he could make purple and yellow lines coming out of the psychic cross, and then he ruined uh -huh. it. <laughs> but I, I'll never change. So did so. he do the actual tattooing, or he drew on there and then he had a tattoo? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Tattoo. And all the pictures are yeah. lost. One of two. But I do have pictures of um, the later in that day of me and him. He was him still uh, holding. Uh, pick was me and him. <laughs> Up in a Polaroid, holding a Polaroid of the <laughs> picture <laughs> or whatever of a of me getting tattooed or something. Wow. Um, but yeah, this is what I have to say. Yes, there you go. I don't think there's any way any more fitting end. <laughs> How you're amazing! Thank you so much for all your time. Super generous. Um, okay. Um, there's some stuff I we I should we can talk about later, but um, now that I'm losing battery, but I'll tell you later. Uh, a couple of things to let you know in on, let you know about whatever. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. I can't, and we'd love please. to have you back on to talk about your life if you wouldn't mind coming back on and joining us just as a single guest. Sure. All right, Howie. Thank you. So Thank you so much. Charge up your phone. All right. Have a good day. <laughs> Thank you, Howie. Bye. What do you think, Soraya? How come I feel the more we talk about Bill Bartell, the more we need to know? I was thinking, we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> we're going to know. We're going to know everything about Bill Bartell. Jeff said it. Jeff McDonald said it. He told different, like he shared parts of his life with different people, but there was never one entire story. You know, people knew pieces. And I think that's why it get like, it really becomes this kind of multi-layered thing. Can we just stop for a second and recognize the following? We sat down with Jeff McDonald and Howie Pyro. Wow. To talk about Bill Bartel. I mean, that, you know, that's blown me away. Yeah, if you would have asked me if that would ever happen. I, I would have said, yeah. no. And I think I even said, oh, Jeff, this will never happen. And then, boom, Jeff McDonald and Howie Pyro just told me to my face, no, no, no. Don't ever think you know what's happening because we're going to go this way. But I found them to be really insightful um, and reflective about, first of all, that Bill was, you know, what was the word they used? They used mania, you know, like he would kind of get plugged into one thing and like, boom, that was the focus. And man, the guy was dogged in his pursuit of the things that he loved. You know, it was Os Mutanchis, if it was Shonen Knife, if it was the Shags, it was like, 
boom, 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 boom. Get it? Okay, next. Yoko Ono. Okay, boom. Hanging out with Yoko Ono eating French fries. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. what? Who does that? Bill Bartel. Or like Bill Bartel, you know, getting Jeff McDonald's folks number. Calling the house and having multi-hour conversations about music and whatever with Jeff, and then taking him and his friends to go to a a, pre, a, a release Kiss. for Kiss. Right. You know what was that? Creatures uh, of the night. Creatures of the night. And then Bill Bartel, who's an ultimate Kiss fan, literally devouring the thing that he loves by yelling out uh, non-softball questions. Yeah. Gee. I mean, that to me is just like, that's Bill Bartell. It's like, I love it so much, but hey, man, I want to know this, or I'm going to throw this at you and see how you react. And it seemed like when he got an idea, he went with it. When he got an idea, he went with it, riding the bull, being a cop, being a musician, looking for this, looking for that. And yet, what did Howie just tell us? That's the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. We still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we can't wrap this up. I think it's going to be just a discussion that is just continued, yeah. you know. So we're going to we're going to have the the Paisley Underground discussion here and we're going to have the Bill Bartel <laughs> discussion here. So There you go. Wow. And look, and in 90 minutes, how much further did we get? We just added a few layers. Yes. Yeah. Pretty dangerous. But I like that we did add to our, yeah. to our understanding. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And they were both very, very generous with all their time. Look, we almost ate through both of their batteries yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get through this. So yeah. we can't thank uh, Howie Pyro and Jeff McDonald enough. But yes. And thank you for Howie for making this happen. Amazing. Gente agrubiar. Groove on, Paisley people. Here is a room just chock full of nuts. <laughs> uh oh, a low battery. Okay. I'm back. Yeah, that earthquake that happened here um, seemed to have been centered in my house. <laughs> and my whole front porch caved in, and a whole bunch of. I keep finding things all over the floor. <laughs> that have fallen but um yeah um i guess uh i'll see you on the facebook message thingy or whatever